really excited to have our next guest to our Live and Learn podcast, which is Danny Sadu. Welcome. <laughs> good, to ha- good to be here, Simon, mate. Good to um, be here. And Danny's someone I actually class as a personal friend. We've been through a lot together. We have. Um, but we you're have. also in the There's definitely a, lot of love, mate. Uh, a top L&D professional, public speaker, done lots of things <laughs> <laughs> as well. Mate, well, you're well making me blush, but you can't see it, dude. <laughs> you're well known. Um, but we actually met when you were at Collinson, um, and now you're at Hunter Health County, you? So I am, just yeah. the benefit of people watching or, or listening in, maybe just talk through your L&D, this is your life, maybe, and, and your background. Yeah, so um, I started uh, my career in L&D um, back in 2008. Um, I went from uh, being in pharmaceutical sales into uh, retail. An FMCG mainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, then from LND, I kind of then kind of shifted into more kind of organisational learning and org- and organisational development, and then in the last three years, took on more of a talent yeah, aspect to that. So looking after talent management, talent acquisition as part of kind of talent development, talent lifecycle, and now I'm doing a full people generalist role at uh, Hunter Healthcare. So my first one, so now director of people and culture there. And you've been there just six, eight six months? Six months. Six yeah. months. Passed my probation last week. <laughs> well, well, no, a couple of weeks ago, which, which I'm happy about. Um, great company, great culture. And um, yeah, doing some, doing some really good things. Yeah. And we actually met when you were at Collinson, as I said earlier. We actually met in a bar in Budapest at a... We <laughs> A people develop a summit is yeah, 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 yeah. a free plug for the guys there. We do, so. we did, we did, we did. We bonded in Budapest. Um, we had a few, you know, there were a few social events that took place. <laughs> that's, a separate po- that's a separate episode, maybe. That is a separate episode. <laughs> and um, yeah, we've been, we've been kind of, uh, we've been, um, I suppose, uh, acquaintance and now friends ever since. Yes. Um, and I really appreciate you joining us for this episode, which is all going to focus on attracting and retaining people, which is a massive topic at the moment, isn't it? We've it is, and it's... Uh, great attraction, great resignation. We've now got potential, you know, hopefully not too much, an economic downturn. Yeah. It's something you're quite passionate about. Now you Very passionate about. Um, so it's a, a topic we're looking forward to getting stuck into, isn't it, I think? Putting yes. the world to rights. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, uh, I, uh, I do a lot of talking about it. It's something that I'm very, very passionate about, like you said. And I guess, what, how would you summarise the current situation? So I think when we last spoke about this last summer, it was very much an employees market. I still, I still think it is, but it's always evolving, isn't it? This kind of power struggle between employees and, and the employer and the market and yeah. talent acquisition and, and getting that right is, is always changing, isn't it? It is, it is. I, 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 would, I personally still feel it is an employer's market still, but I think that's going to sh- shift and change at some point because of the, the economic conditions we find ourselves in. Um, and also because of the fact that there is a real... Um, there's a real struggle to find talent in certain sectors, yeah. in certain roles. Uh, Brexit hasn't really helped, yeah. if I'm being honest. Um, and I also feel that um, companies are now starting to push their people to come back into the office more. So there's now more of an expectation for people to come back into the office. That shifting away of, oh, you can come in when you want, yeah. starting to change. Um, and I think also with the economic um, conditions we find ourselves in and going into this recession, I think companies will start to make cuts yep. in, in, um, with their people in certain, in certain areas. And I feel that there'll be more people on the market and therefore I can see it shifting to being an employer's market sometime in 2023, maybe 2024. I think you've done a great talk before about the push and pull of the two, isn't it, um, in the past? Yeah, um, I think I think, you know, as we came out of COVID, 
Um, it was definitely an employer's market. You know, I was managing an internal recruitment team. Yes, it's um, some stories at about that, people. Yeah, at that time, <laughs> plus doing other things. And some of the stories was just insane. People accepting offers before the day before they were going to join. Yeah, my, my, on, no, on the morning we had, you know, we had, we had, we had one person who was meant to be coming in that day. Called us in the morning. They were meant to be in at nine. Called us at ten. We were, you know, kind of looking at our clock, uh, a watch, Didn't and they turn hadn't up. turned up yet. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh yeah, sorry, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually at <laughs> the other company. I've, I've already started. Wow. Sorry, um, yeah, I'm not joining." And you're like, "What?" Um, there used to be so much more of a kind of two-way communication and more of a kind of respect in that dynamic, but um, there's been because of the way the market has been, the power has been very much with the candidate and the employee. Um, and some of the stories I can tell you, it's, it's been nuts. It's been crazy. <laughs> yes. And I guess um, just for people, I think, who are watching and listening to this, in terms of attracting talent, is pretty much top of most people's agenda at the minute, isn't it? It's something that, if you get right, is a massive plus. Isn't it? You have a big thing on performance. Or, unfortunately, the flip side, if you don't get it right, it can you can lose people for competition. So just maybe frame how pivotal this is, I guess, for people and, and things they can start to think about to get this right yeah i think it's always been really important but i think covid is is has amplified and put a microscope on a lot of things that were that were a challenge within organizations from a people perspective and it sped up a lot of things um that we knew were coming yeah so covid was kind of you know just had a massive impact on all these things um and obviously as we came out of covid a lot of people had the opportunity and the chance to kind of reflect on what was important to them during that time yeah, during lockdown so we obviously had a lot of people kind of just resign and go through this what we call the great resignation kind of either going into early retirement or just thinking i don't love this i'm not feeling this life is short i want to go and do something that i really enjoy so there's this kind of massive wave of people um resigning and and we had record numbers of people um resigning and and and, and leaving their employment when they didn't have something to go to and obviously then as we came further away from covid a lot of companies had made kind of cuts and redundancies during that covid period and obviously um, they had to grow back and start reintroducing their services because things were going back to normal and there wasn't kind of the talent there to, to find. No, yeah, absolutely. So you've got this kind of great attraction of trying to get things back to the way they were, loads of people resigning. You've got this kind of this kind of balance between the two, the two forces which created a real employer's market like we were talking about. It then put this massive microscope on attracting talent in your process for or lack of so, process maybe. exactly so <laughs> so because there was this kind of really kind of challenging environment it forced talent acquisition teams or it forced companies to go let's 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 kind of investigate how we recruit how we attract talent before i suppose because it was a uh it was a uh employee employer's market you had the power, right? yeah yeah so the employers had the power process didn't matter as they, much they, 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 they i think I, I think they were complacent Yes. and took oh, their talent point. acquisition yeah. for granted. Yeah, that's a good point. But when it became more competitive to attract talent, they had to look inwards and, and, and start to dissect how they were recruiting people. And um, the word, you know, in the last, the last two to three years, talent has become probably the most buzzword, the most common word organizations talk about, you know, attacking and retaining talent has become the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a good thing because actually people do need to enhance how they attract and bring in and how they attract talent um but it's a shame that it kind of took you know a global pandemic to get yeah would have been good if that to, didn't happen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a shame that it took a global pandemic for people to kind of realize how important it was and how competitive it was to to attract talent so i think what has now happened is is that a lot of organizations have put a lot more effort yeah. and a lot more resource behind attracting talent because they had to and if you don't 
attract the right people and bring them in, you're not going to be able to deliver your services and, and be a, a functional business. And of course, you were also the subject matter expert or the brains, uh, we call it, behind the video arts talent uh, essentials. Yeah. Um, it's the first time I've done that. I feel, <laughs> I feel privileged that you guys got me involved. I loved it. <laughs> and I guess one of the learning points on the videos was all about that employee, well, employer personal brand, sorry. So we talked about maybe previous complacency there. What would be some of your top tips that I think you helped us when we filmed those videos and what an employer can do if someone's listening in now yeah. in this kind of going on, this this war for talent? Again, this I think you're, you're big on LinkedIn and, and social profile of managers and how what role does that play, I guess, that kind of brand yeah, in terms of recruiting people and, be, and be, people not dropping out the day you've got a job. <laughs> like I said, stop that be, happening. Because of this kind of challenging re recruitment market we've we found ourselves in, um, it's be, it became, as, 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 as I said before, it, it became so competitive to recruit talent. So therefore everybody had to kind of like look at how they do it better. And one of the one of the things that was clear to see was that people's employer branding wasn't strong. So if you are a, a candidate or, or, or person looking for a job, who do you go to? When you've got literally the choice of any, of all, of, of, of multiple companies to go at and you're being offered more money than you've ever been offered and, and, and benefits and, and rewards more than you would normally get in a, in a normal market, who do you go for? Who do you, who who are you attracted to, right? Surely it's 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 the brand that resonates with you, that has tr attracted your attention, that's come across your path, that matches your values. Yeah. And the question is, how does that happen if you're not putting effort Absolutely. and resource into your employer branding and putting it out there? So that's something that people started to realize. Um, and I've been on a and as you know, I've been on a lot of webinars and have done a lot of talks on employer branding yeah. and the power of putting your organization out there so people can kind of see what you're about and what it's like to work there. So having a strong EVP, employer branding, and um, you are now seeing organizations investing in it because it's so important. Yes, I think you can see the return long-term on this. 100%, 100%. Um, so people kind of ask, what is what is employer branding? What is you know EVP? So EVP is employee value proposition. And that's the value somebody gets, um, it's the value and benefits somebody gets from working in your business. Yeah. Yeah. And what a good company does is they put together a proposition of what that value and benefits is, packages it, and then puts it out. In a brand, yeah. In a brand. Yeah. And it's the and it's and it's the channels you put it out as that's called employer branding. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Um so and there's different ways of doing that. That was probably the biggest learn I've taken from talent acquisition and talent attraction in the last two to three years. I've, uh, some, something that was, I think, not really um, something I was particularly aware of or had much knowledge about. I'd like to think I've become a bit more of an expert in that particular area. Uh, and I think people watching it, watching this will probably think uh, the one bit, I think the elephant in the room here is who's responsible for that. So <laughs> the next bit is, you, well, I think we talked about before, is yeah. managers owning some of this. And I guess if you're an L&D manager listening to this, how can you get the message out there that this isn't just the HR teams yeah, yeah. or the marketing team's job so, or whatever? Um, you know, people often look at higher managers, their LinkedIn, the stuff yeah. they've liked, their values. So how, how do you get that to spread? I think what I'm going to do, I'll answer the importance of, of, of employer. Well, what I'll say is, is that when it comes to employer branding, it shouldn't just sit with the people and culture team or HR Absolutely. team, whatever whatever you call it within your organization. It should sit with everybody. So the strongest employer branding I've seen in organizations is where every single person in the business is involved yeah. and is engaged and is putting content out there. That's one, right? Um, what are some of the tips that make good employer branding and how, sh how should you put it out? I think um, 
the talent team should be working really closely with the marketing team. There should be a synergy. So That's obviously your marketing team are responsible for kind of like marketing your business and your brand, your company brand generally, but they don't always necessarily fo focus on employer branding. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? Because Which is crazy. Marketing team, you get the brand. This is how you represent the prospects yeah. and so on. Hundred percent. But, it's but the sometimes they, they, yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, they completely, they completely sometimes negate and, and not, and not, and not get involved in that aspect. So what it needs sometimes is, is for the talent team to work in conjunction with the marketing team, um, in you know, collaboratively to, to put together a strong EVP and then really enhance the employer branding and putting it out there. The other thing I would say is, is that um, you need a really strong company website. Right, and your company website needs, when you go on it, it needs to be able to represent and tell a story about who you are yep. as a business. Yep. So you should be able to look at it and go, I know exactly what that business stands for, what their values are. The, the personality of the organization should come out through the, yep. through, the, through the company website. Yeah, And through the company website, there should be a really easy way and, and access to the careers webpage yep. where you kind of post jobs and, and advertise. The, Maybe the leadership the, team are on there as well. 100%. Yep. Yep. Um, and there should be a really good, easy access to kind of the careers website and the portal to where you host jobs, right? Um, and that area in itself where you advertise jobs should be really engaging, should be really interactive, should really want to draw people in and should be, um, I suppose, a good advert for what working like, in the yeah, company yeah. is like. Um, and that's something I would definitely advocate and something I learned. So having kind of your people on there talk, being really genuine and talking about what it's like to work in that business, I think is really key and yeah. really critical. And the more you kind of have people across all levels, I think that's really key across all, across all different diversities. What you sometimes have is you, they focused, companies focus too much on their senior leaders and have them on there yeah. instead of having everyone across everyone can be a champion right doesn't matter 100 percent. everyone can be a champion and actually a lot of the time it's usually your your more junior employees that actually we'll have more influence, will have more influence. Yeah. and actually it's more powerful to hear what they have to say than somebody who's a senior leader who you think oh well they, they have to say that or they would say that yeah <laughs> definitely yeah that makes total sense uh, and i guess what would you say um you where well, you've been in those shoes in your current role and, and previous ones about getting that management buy-in so i think that's all that stuff's done really well but then you've got some managers who are just like I'm busy, so you know, this is this is HR's job to help me recruit, and I'm really yeah. busy the day to day. How do, how how can you sort of shift that culture gradually? There's probably no magic, you know, N wand, but yeah, the, there is. Have, a... have you seen that in your your experience? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I I deal with it on a on a, on a regular <laughs> and daily basis. Um, I think for me, it's really simple. You need to be able to talk in the language of managers. So, what's important to a manager when it comes to recruitment? What they want is somebody really easy. Um, really, they want somebody uh, stress-free without much difficulty to join their team first time and to be a high performer and deliver what they need to deliver. Yeah, that's what they want. That's the dream, right? That's the dream, right? <laughs> so doesn't always happen. Correct. <laughs> what they don't want is for them to make the wrong hire. The person either leave or they have to get rid of them, and then they have to go through the whole process again. Yes. Yeah, because it because very it's costly and very time, costly time. As well. time stresses them out and it, and it can delay on them in terms of delivery projects and, and their output. So being able to talk to them in their language and, and, and I suppose not necessarily scaring them, but saying to them, if you want to get this right and have somebody join your team that's going to add value and, uh, and, and, and enhance the team dynamics that you currently have, you need to make sure you're getting it right. And getting it right doesn't just mean the talent team, people and culture, recruitment team doing this and you not being involved. 
you absolutely have to be involved. And that's where you start talking about things like when somebody is looking to join a team or looking to join an organization, they go online and they look at, they look at people. You know? Your online presence is important. So if I'm joining a company, I'm gonna go on LinkedIn, I'm gonna find out who my manager is, I'm gonna look at my manager, I'm gonna try and identify absolutely. who absolutely. I'm gonna be working absolutely. with, I'm gonna go and look at their profile, see what they post, see what they're about. And if there's nothing about them or their, their presence isn't good, that will influence my decision. Of course it will. Yeah, and we, we all do. We all check LinkedIn, don't we? Yeah. So, what I've, you know, what me and my team have done historically is to is to communicate to manage the importance of employer branding, having an EVP, putting themselves out there, making the time for the hiring process so that they can get somebody in first time who is going to help them, who's going to help them and be the perfect fit for their team. I think I think a good analogy. I was, I was chatting to a, uh, a video ask customer the day, and they were saying. Whoever is a manager, the people you spend your time with at work is probably more more than people you date or your wife. Or yeah, your man, you spend fifty percent of yeah, you spend fifty percent um, of your life at work, you know. And you, you wouldn't get someone else to pick your partner for you. So, so yeah, why, yeah. why is HR expected to pick that? Which I thought was in, an interesting analogy. I love that analogy. That's a very strong <laughs> analogy. I completely agree. Um, and the other thing as well is is is, um, is so the employer branding is one aspect. We, we very much encourage our managers to have a real heavy presence online and to post stuff and to be a thought leader and to kind of put their personality and who they are out there so that when people are, when they're recruiting, they, there is a good window into who they are as a person and who they are. And they're more they likely are. to attract and high quality people, they're, which absolutely, therefore is the high and therefore absolutely. it's all a cycle, isn't it? That, and, and I can talk from personal experience because um, I've got quite a strong online presence online presence. If anyone, follow Danny <laughs> on LinkedIn if, you, if you're not um, And it's something that I, I put a lot of effort into because I think it's really important. And and um, as a result of that, I probably have about, and this may not brag, I've got about probably eight to 15 people that if I put, I've got a job, I could just go to them straight away and say, listen, I've got a job. Do you want to go, do you want to be yeah, part of the interview process? So I wouldn't even actually have to advertise for it. I wouldn't have to put, pool, yeah. I would not have to advertise for a job if I was looking for somebody. I just, I can literally, contact these people and go, I've got a job and they would all come because of the presence I've got online. And that's, that's the work you put in for a course of years though, isn't it? Of course. And, 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 that, and that's kind of what you want. You know, a lot of those people I've just spoken about, I've already spoken to them. I've already kind of done- There's less risk. To less risk. I know what they're about. I know what their values are. So I'm therefore getting the best person for me and my team. And ideally that's what, that's what I would like for hiring managers, to be in a place where when they're looking for somebody, they don't have to rely on the, the talent acquisition team to put a job out and advertise for it. They've got, I've actually got four people lined up. If you can contact them, here you go. Here you go, contact, they're lined up, put them in the, put them in the <laughs> That's process. That's the goal for anyone, isn't it? Absolutely. That's the goal, right? And I think just, just changing gear slightly, so I, I think there's so many great tips there for people to, to look at. Let's say you've done those things right, fingers crossed. You've, you've listened to Danny's advice there and, you, and you've, got some, you've got someone and you, or you're interviewing for people. Yeah. What's your, your advice been? Now you've got lots of expertise on this in terms of hiring for cultural fit because it can sound a little woolly to certain people. Um, what's the cultural fit and what's your tips when you're that talent acquisition piece? So you've, you've done all the hard work there. Yeah. You know, interviewing and to make sure, like we're back to this risk and making sure it's going to be a good hire. What, what's your, your experience yeah, been? Yeah, so, so, so I'll talk about cultural fit. I think just, just to kind of quickly clarify, there are two things, in my personal opinion, there's two things you need to look for when you're recruiting somebody. Do they have the capability and competency to do the job you actually want them to do? And second, are they a cultural fit? And for me, a cultural fit is really simple in terms of a definition, right? right? Can they work with you, the manager, hiring manager? Can they work with your team? And can they work with your customers? Internal or external, like those two models, things, yeah. really simple, yeah? And you should basically evaluate and assess those three things. Can they work with you, the manager? 
Can they work with your team? And can they work with your customers, internal or external? Yeah. And therefore, you should have some elements of those people during the hiring process. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. So, I massively advocate to have a couple of people from the team, as or the existing team, involved in the hiring process. And they feel involved too. Because right? they feel so when they feel involved, they feel engaged, and actually they then end up being committed. If they've chosen that person, they have to. You know, they're going to do whatever they can to make sure that person fits into the team and make sure that they are integrated well. And then, I think what's, from my experience as well, they're invested in the decision. 100%. So if, if they like 100%. them as well and they say, God, Simon, we like 100%. them, let's give them the job. That also goes for, more for customers as well. So if you've, got really good, if you've got really good relationships, so let's say you're a client service business. If you've got really good relationship with clients, I would get somebody from the clients that you to have a conversation with somebody, you know, to, have, to, have, to, to be involved in the hiring process, to speak to the candidate. Because if that candidate is going to have... A, have a really critical relationship with that client and they're a client Absolutely. service person, then they sh that, the client should be having a conversation with somebody in the, with the candidate with the hiring yeah, process. Yeah, makes total sense. Yeah, so that's something I'm very massively about. So obviously being in people in culture, that my key stakeholders, I always make sure that they are involved in the hiring process of somebody I'm bringing into the team, so they're bought in. So everybody is bought into the decision I've made for, to hire. And, there's, and less, therefore, yeah, there's less pushback or Danny, you, this person's work out, you know, so it, it, it makes sense. And that's how you, and that's for me, in my opinion, how you, how you, ensure as much as possible that somebody's a cultural fit. And I think just wrapping the episode up, obviously the podcast is called Live and Learn. Um, if you were to go back in time and you were starting L&D again all those years ago, and they don't look it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of attracting and retaining people, what's kind of one live and learn lesson or mistake you've made or funny story or any, any of the above that you would look back and maybe share with people who are doing it for the first time, unsure, being given that responsibility in a role maybe perhaps? I would say that I wish um, I was more aware of employer branding and the power it had earlier yeah. in my career compared to now. And like I said, it, it took like a global pandemic to make talent, you know, attracting talent really competitive before people started to look at some of this stuff. Um, for me, employer branding is so powerful. So for example, um, like I said, employer branding shouldn't just be about the people in the culture team doing it. It should be everybody involved. Do you know that if you get people in your organization to put employer branding content out there, it's nine to, ten, nine to 10 times more likely that people engage with that content compared to if the content comes from a company web company webpage. Yeah, it's, it's a human, isn't it? And human, it's right? It's more real. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things in my previous organization, Collinson, that was really good was that we started to get people to put content out there, authentic content, and people were interacting and engaging with it. Yeah. So. One of, the, one of the content that was put out there went viral, 22,000 likes. I was able to comment on it. They saw my name as director of people and culture. And then people reached out to me, go, oh, how can I get a job here? Yeah. So for me, um, I wish I had more knowledge around employer branding. Sooner. Sooner. And, bring, and I would have brought it definitely more into a talent acquisition than I, you know, before, before, before COVID than I did now. Perfect. Well, Danny, it's always been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for popping along to our podcast. Thank you for having in me. In our episode on attracting talent. Lots of top tips, I think, for people to take away. Um, so thank you for your time. And hopefully you'll be back to join us sometime soon. It will be a pleasure, mate. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. See you soon.